Greetings, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades. Happy Saturday. The Pope, according to a report just four hours ago, has clarified that homosexuality and sin have something to do with each other, but not quite what faithful Catholics are hoping. This happened just four hours ago, and when he gave an AP interview two and a half days ago, my instinct, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades, was to jump on it. It's always the instinct. I knew there would be a clarification of his statement, which in the first place called for the worldwide decriminalization of sodomy, actual literal globo homo. I knew that the Pope's planners or just folks that are rooting for Francis still at this point would be saying there's got to be something that mitigates or lessens the material heresy a sound that this comment has. And like he did in February of 2016, he did clarify what he meant. He doubled down on it. He doubled down on it. So we're going to we're going to discuss a few different things today, but they will all point us at the bigger topic on today's episode of Rules for Retrogrades. Is this pontificate oriented almost primarily at making gay okay. And Liz Yore, a commenter for LifeSite News, just said the Synod on Synodality that has its next meeting later this year, is it really the Synod on Homosexuality? I would answer yes. Liz answered yes. Father Altman and John Henry Weston over at LifeSite News all seem to agree the answer is yes. I think you, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades, will think that Pope Francis's pontificate and emphasis on synodality, an undefined term, according to Cardinal Powell, a made-up term, has all revolved around making gay okay. So that's today's episode. I'm going to walk you through a timeline of events which culminate in early 2023, where Heiner Wilmer is probably going to become the doctrinal chief in the church. We're still waiting on that. He's the most, consider him like one of the most pro-LGBT bishops. And he's one of the young leaders of the German Synodal Way. He's going to make the German Synodal Way into the Synod on Synodality. If he becomes CDF, we're waiting for word on this. Pope Francis has re-elevated him for the second time after this appointment was blocked by cardinals on Christmas Eve. What the heck is going on? Okay, so what happened is on January the 24th, a few days back, Francis made comments to the effect that the African bishops who seek the criminalization of sodomy, who, who, who stand for the criminalization of sodomy in something like 67 countries in the world. Many of them used to be the conservative American states until the nationalists on the court made it illegal for conservative states to illegalize same-sex activity. Francis says these African bishops and other bishops who are not pro-LGBT, who do not say gay should be legally okay, need conversion to the Catholic faith. Do you understand what that is out of the mouth of a pontiff? 
to say you need conversion to the faith. It would be very hurtful if it were coming from any other pope in the history of the See of Peter. With Francis, you know it's probably actually a compliment. I'll read the beginning of this article that just broke. Pope Francis has clarified his recent comments, those January the 24th ones, about homosexuality and sin, saying he was merely referring to official Catholic moral teaching that teaches that any sexual act outside of marriage is a sin. I want to, I want to talk about this in one second, this first paragraph, but I want to go on before I do so. And in a note Friday, Francis recalled that even that black and white teaching is subject to circumstances that might eliminate the sin altogether. Holy cow, this guy is really, really into what seems to be, by all measures from the outside, the cause, raison d'etre, for his pontificate, the reason that the Sankt Gallen Mafia tried so hard to get uh, Jorge Mario Bergoglio president, uh, uh, Pope, sorry, Freudian slip. He, he acts like our president. Was it homosexuality? Gloma homo? I think it was. To make homosexuality, to reduce it to just another sexual sin. It is nothing of the sort. It is not like the natural vice of fornication, heterosexual fornication. It is a distinction of, of kind that separates these two. Fornication, sex outside of marriage, before marriage is evil. It's a mortal sin. But it is not one of the unnatural vices, sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance. So homosexuality is. One is vastly different from the other. Francis first made these comments in an interview January the 24th with the Associated Press in which he declared that laws criminalizing homosexuality were unjust and that, quote, being homosexual is not a crime. As he often does, Francis then imagined a conversation with someone who raised the matter of the church's official teaching. He's kind of pantomiming what they'll say. And these are usually rigid Catholics, faith, faithful Catholics whom he hates, whom he opposes himself to, non-heretics. And so he imagines a conversation with someone who raises the matter of the church's official teaching, and he'll do a voice for them. It'll usually be a kind of nasal, annoying voice. And he'll say, okay, the official church teaching out of the mouth of this rigid is really the subtext. States that homosexual acts are sinful or intrinsically disordered, which the, um, the queen bishops in the church, they hate this language, that it's intrinsically disordered, even catechetically. And what he says is, after he does the nasal voice and he mocks those who raise Jesus' teaching, which Pope Francis always does, he, he mocks Jesus and his teachings and those who keep it. He says, fine, which is ambiguous, but first let's distinguish between a sin and a crime. Francis said in this pretend conversation, it's also a sin to lack charity with one another. That's a, that's a venial sin in most cases, a sin by omission. You see what he's doing. He's trying to make this distinction of kind, a distinction of degree, it's an old trick, and it led me to tweet the following. Francis technically accepts, for now, that sodomy is a sin. But since sins against nature, unlike 
natural vice. There are sins that aren't in the same way against nature. Are supposed to be illegal in all decent polities, according to the Catholic intellectual tradition. The, the positive law of man should ape the natural law. We may at least suppose he doesn't believe it is unnatural sin. He said being homeless, I'll repeat it one more time. Being homosexual is not a crime. It's not a crime. Yes, but it's a sin, he does in the nasal voice. That's someone that he hates posing a, a, a gainsaying him. And he says, fine, but first let's distinguish between a sin and a crime. So you have to understand, uh, it, 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 all sins are in some sense against nature, but we don't say all sins violate the natural law. This always shocks people that begin to study Thomistic moral philosophy. Homosexuality is a nat an unnatural vice. It's a sin against nature. Whereas fornication, masturbation, uh, adultery are disordered versions of a natural act. And the disordering of the act itself, and you could say of nature, make them wrong, mortally sinful, gravely evil. Yes, yes, yes. But they're not by their nature, disordered act. The, the, the quiddity of heterosexual intercourse is still what it is, even if it's disordered and it's with the wrong person. Okay, this is a real act ordained by nature and nature's God, the triune God. It's just with the wrong person. It's at the wrong time, something like that. That's not what sodomy is. Sodomy is not intercourse. Okay, we didn't want to get all heavy on you this early on a Saturday morning or this early on a Saturday afternoon, but it's not even that. It's just a totally other act. It, yeah, you say it's a sexual perversion, yeah. But just look at it like murder, right? Look at it like one of the other sins that cry out for vengeance. It's just some act that uh, maniacs commit that call out to God for vengeance. And Francis has apparently been put in position to do away with it. Okay? Remember, he's taught against the official CDF statement that gay civil unions are unacceptable. I think he's at least said this twice publicly. Remember, he will probably elevate pro-doctrinal chief Heiner Wilmer and I'm going to give you a whole timeline to help you situate in your head Francis's pro-LGBT pontificate that is going to make an effort later this year in 2023 to destroy the superstructure of the Roman Catholic Church. Because this will be too big a blow to church teaching. He did this with Amoris Laetitia. It was a huge blow, the, the, the biggest strike of the Francis pontificate, but... This is what Amoris Laetitia was oriented at. It's all oriented at the but philosophy. Yeah, it's wrong technically, but sodomy can be done pastorally. That's what they're going to do. Before we go to that really quickly, I uh, you know, before we get into the the many many items that help me to substantiate this timeline, I want you to consider this. Like this video, subscribe to this channel, click the notification bell because we're trying to grow to 50,000 subscribers. We're going to have a giant party when we hit 50,000 subscribers. 
sometime in the first half of this year. It's ambitious, but we believe we can do it. So leave a comment, like this video, most off subscribe, and click the notification bell. Thank you. We really appreciate it. You know it's coming. If you're still in a blue state, go to realestateforlife.org today and get out of your blue state. Get to a red state. I suggest this swath of states that I'm currently in, very, very red state. I'm in the most conservative state in the union, Mississippi. Alabama's, you know, number three or number four right next to us. We got number four or number five right next to them. From Texas to Florida is where you ought to get. Go to realestateforlife.org today. Okay. That's what you need to do. Also, if you want to support this channel, go to Timothy J. Gordon at Patreon. Or if you want to donate to me, the man, go to timothyjgordon.com. Also, we're trying to support other Catholic businesses and good startups. Um, we, we talk, we've talked before about our, our friend uh, Coleman's Handcrafted. We've been throwing some love at a great Catholic t-shirt company on Twitter. Today, I wanted to give a shout out to Anthony and Rob over at Avoiding Babylon. If you guys aren't subscribed, go check out Avoiding Babylon. It's a it's a laid-back approach to serious Catholic news. These guys are trying to do something a little different with their channel and bring some humor to all of these heavy-handed Catholic discussions that we're having. I mean, I, I do that some, but they do it in a, in a different way, and it's very, very, very lighthearted, which almost sounds like a feat that can't be pulled off, lighthearted about Francis trying to break church teaching in two. Somehow they do it. They've had me on the show. They've had Kennedy Hall, Eric Sammons, Matt Gaspers. Go check them out, Avoiding Babylon. Check them out today on YouTube. Okay, so back to Francis's comments calling for the decriminalization of homosexuality. Remember, immediately after January the 24th, LBG, LB, LGBTQ advocates hailed it as a great milestone. I'm talking about Father James Martin, SJ. Uh, a milestone that would help end harassment and violence against LGBTQ persons. Whenever the left wants to let some goon do something evil or wicked, they just say, if you don't let them do something wicked, violence will be done against this person. That's what they always say. And Francis is avoiding violence by what, what he's attempting to do here bend sodomy into something that they, that Jesus, Jesus condemned it, Moses condemned it, but he's trying to make it okay. His reference to sin, according to this article clarifying, came out just four hours ago, raised questions about whether he believed that merely being gay itself was a sin. James Martin, an American Jesuit, James Martin, who runs the U.S.-based outreach ministry for LGBTQ Catholics, asked Francis for clarification and printed the Pope's handwritten response on the outreach website late last night. In his note, Francis reaffirmed that homosexuality is not a crime and said he spoke out, quote, in order to stress that criminalization is neither good nor just. Now, that's I showed you how that's wrong. Criminalization... Because Aquinas says the divine law and the eternal law 
are the model for the natural law. The natural law is the model for the positive law. This means anything that violates the natural law should be outlawed according to any just regime. This would mean homosexuality. Yeah, in any just regime, it should be illegal. That's just Aquinas, if you believe him. Yeah, Aquinas says uh, prostitution, not illegal. Aquinas says not all vice should be proscribed. Not all vice. All, all vice is going to be sin if it's freely chosen, but not all. He's talking about natural vice. All unnatural vice should be, to the best of the legislative capability within a given polity, should be illegal. So Francis is just changing church teaching. I know you guys aren't shocked by that. And the Pope's planners out there don't care. But this is what he's doing. Criminalization of the violation of the natural law, I guess that's what he's challenging, that it is a violation of the natural law, is neither good nor just. When I said it's a sin, Francis says, I was simply referring to Catholic moral teaching, which says that every sexual act outside of marriage is a sin. He said in Spanish, underlining the final phrase. So what he's trying to do is roll sodomy into all the natural sexual vices. And they've been trying to do this for about 20 years. They, the LGBTQ agenda. It's not. We know it's called getting dirty or being naughty. Uh, but then this kind of iconography is associated with human sexuality. It's not for kids. This is naughty time. But that's all, that's all sodomy is. That's the agenda by these evil, evil men. They're pushing that that's all sodomy is. It's, it's like naughty time between a, a mother and a father on Saturday night, a married mother and father in a non-contraceptive, open to life, open to the unitive act, act itself, that's all sodomy is. But in a nod, the article says, to his case-by-case approach to pastoral ministry, Francis noted that even that teaching is subject to consideration of the circumstances, which may decrease or eliminate fault. You see what he's doing? He's painting a picture that this is all debatable. It's all on a spectrum. And he's making the degree of severity of sodomy on the spectrum de minimis. He acknowledged that he could have been clearer in his comments to the AP. Remember, he said, we must do this. We must do this. It must be done. He kept saying, it must be done that we get this done. But he said he was using natural and conversational language in the interview that didn't call for precise definitions. We know why he's doing that. As you could see, I was repeating something in general. I should have said, it is a sin, as is any sexual act outside of marriage. This is to speak of the matter of sin, but, but the matter of fornication between two heterosexuals is categorically unlike the matter of, homos- of homosexual sin. He says, but we well know that, ca-, he didn't say that, I'm interjecting. Now he continues, but we well know that Catholic morality not only takes into consideration the matter, but also evaluates freedom and intention. And this for every kind of sin. Some 67 countries or jurisdictions worldwide criminalize consensual same-sex activity, 11 of which 
can or do impose the death penalty, according to the Human Dignity Trust, which works to end such laws. Okay, now, in his original AP interview from January the 24th, Francis can basically condemns the African bishops who are Catholic in their teaching on this, unlike Francis and, and uh, the butt philosophers. He says they need conversion, meaning they need conversion away from the Catholic teaching to whatever religion he's endorsing with this sodomy philosophy. People are saying in chat, hasn't the Pope expressly condemned people trying to convert other people? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. That's a great point. You're not supposed... So he is guilty of the the first sin against ecumenism. Holy cow. He needs a he needs a confession with the whoever his confessor would be for for doing the anti-Christian stuff. He needs it. He also said though, I don't want you to forget in that original January 24th interview when he said it must be done, it must be done. We must decriminalize this thing which Christianity is always taught should be criminalized. He also said the church should play a role in the decriminalization. Do you understand? It's not just that he's saying, oh, we should be out of the way, we're going to be neutral where we shouldn't actually be neutral, we the Catholic Church. He's saying we should actually play a role in doing the evil decriminalization of this. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I listened to a really helpful LifeSite News uh, podcast on this between John Henry Weston, like I said, Liz Yore, whose, whose commentary I've, I've found valuable over the last three years, and Father James Altman. And so I'm, I'm borrowing some of their, their big bullet points on the chronology of Francis. And I'm not, I'm not working strictly in chronological sequence, but I'm just going to give you the big red-letter dates over the last 10 years just to show you that Francis really does appear to be working toward a culmination of what he views as the teleology of his pontificate, which is, I think, 2023's... Synod on Homosexuality, as Liz Yor keeps calling it. That's what this is. The Synod on Synodality, no one knows what Synodality is. Just substitute homosexuality for Synodality. And also, one of the main things he did say on that uh, January 24th interview was that God loves all his children just as they are. Oh, I didn't catch that. That was Associated Press. They say, quote, Pope Francis criticized laws that criminalize homosexuality as unjust, saying God loves all his children just as they are. The pontiff called on Catholic bishops who support the laws to welcome LGBTQ people into the church. How did I miss that? Okay, well, thank you. Uh, Steph, queen of rules for retrogrades is, is Steph. And that's, that's big <laughs> because... That really, really speaks to the wise will, permissive will thing. For God to love folks, even in their sinful state, means he's loving them as they mortal sin. That is huge. And I've, I've, I was ready to do a show on this two days ago. And I was like, let me see if he clarifies, which he did, just in time for our Saturday Rules for Retrogrades episode. I did not catch that original thing. To say that he loves Sinners, just as they are mortal sinners, unconverted as they are, is completely consistent with Amoris Laetitia, completely consistent with the idea that um, an adulterer who's not even committing a, um, 
you know, an unnatural vice, this is a natural vice, if it's heterosexual, doesn't have to receive confession before receiving communion. Uh, that's what his entire pontificate is there for. This is the big idea. God loves the sinner exactly as it is. It's a way of saying not God loves the sinner but hates the sin. He's saying God loves the sinner and loves the sin as well. This is the subtext here. And also it goes hand in hand with his recent remarks about priests not ever being um, able to deny people absolution. All of it, yes. All of that goes hand in hand. That, that, I mean, that's, that is actually the logical corollary. Well, why? I mean, it's sort of the logical corollary. You would say that if, if God truly loves the sinner as he sins, even if he mortally sinned and destroyed his relationship with God, and you would say confession is no longer necessary. But it, it's yes, it's a logical corollary in the sense that this would represent a belt and suspenders approach to confession. You don't need, he's essentially saying there is no mortal sin. When you boil it all away, Francis is saying, okay, sodomy is, let's, let's just say for all intents and purposes, the worst sin a human being can do. It's, it's up there tied with murder. John Chrysostom says it's the one sin that's worse than murder. It, let's just say it's the worst sin, okay? You could argue murder or homosexuality. If Francis says you, either all priests have to absolve you even when you're not penitent, that's the same thing as saying you don't have to go to confession before you receive communion. So he's saying the same thing different ways. In that sense, they're, they're soft logical corollaries. But of course, why would you even be in the confessional? There, he's saying there is no more mortal sin. If there's no such thing as the worst sin, homosexuality, then you don't need to ask for confession for it. And he already told us that because in 2016, he said that uh, adulterers do not have to go and do confession or uh, before they receive, before they, what St. Paul would say, eat and drink judgment on themselves, a damnable mortal sin itself, receiving communion not in the proper posture, not in the proper ontological status. So that's really important that he said that, that God loves sinners even as they are. You, you're allowed, he's saying you're allowed to have sodomy. He's saying, he couldn't put this any clearer. He couldn't possibly make it any clearer. I tweeted out, what did I say? It was a pretty good tweet. And I, I actually, my, my Protestant buddy said this to me as a joke. And then I said, hey, hey man, I'm going to take this. This is a pretty good tweet. Let me, let me do it right here. Benedict released a book about gay porn clubs in the Vatican. The response, the Pope says gay is okay. As you can imagine, parish orphans and retrogrades, this tweet fetched some fusty responses from Pope Splainers on Twitter. They said he didn't say gay is okay. He said it, sh it should be legally permissible. Well, that, that's okay. That means gay is okay. They're like, yeah, but, but he also said it's a sin. No, he didn't say it's a sin. He said, fine, I'll grant that subtext for the sake of argument. I don't care whether he said, I can, it's my word, right? If France, if you have to grant a hermeneutic of continuity to everything Francis says, you got to do it to me as well. Gay is okay could mean gay is legally okay, which is what Francis is calling for. 
to make it legally permissible, globo homo. It doesn't mean he's saying it's spiritually morally okay. I, I didn't stipulate. But what I'm saying goes one step further. Laws are signposts to morality. And this is precisely because the positive law is supposed to not perfectly reduplicate, but in the most important ways, the most important sins, it should be informed by the natural law. So if you're saying it should uh, such, you know, the worst sin a human being can do, homosexuality, should be legal all over the globe, you're saying you think you want to decriminalize it spiritually. And let's run through the timeline, okay? Let's go through Francis's pontificate on this, which culminates with him saying this in early 2023. He starts out the first month of his pontificate by saying, who am I to judge but philosophers? The but philosophers, who am I to judge? Um, he puts Kevin Farrell, uh, McCarrick's roommate of five plus years, in charge of what? The Congregation for Family Life. Kevin Farrell, who's radical, like in, in many of the ways McCarrick was, not necessarily all of them, but he's McCarrick's roommate. Uh, very, very, very liberal Kevin Farrell on this on this issue as well, I believe. Then Francis puts, through Farrell, he puts Archbishop Paglia. It's a funny name, Paglia. Uh, he puts Pag in charge of P-A-L, right? He puts Pag in charge of P-A-L, the Pontifical Academy for Life. This very, very pro-sod Pag, uh, in charge of PAL. So now you got a Pag running PAL. And what did what did Pag do? He had this commissioned like uh, gay mural. I think it was inside the Vatican, if I remember it correctly. This is all tw this is all thirteen fourteen. Then around the same time, maybe a year later, Francis does a photo op with these tran trannies, calling them married. He used the term that they're married, a couple of trannies. And he said, he said this about one of them. He said, he was a she or something like that. This is all kind of off the top of my head. Memory, memory jogged by the LifeSite interview I just listened to. But all this is memories from, from eight years ago, eight, seven years ago. Then you have the 2015 Francis visit to the United States, the one time he's blessed, or some of us would say cursed our country by coming to our soil. And Archbishop Vigano, God bless him, that old swordsman, uh, I mean, God bless Vigano, seriously, he mischievously sets up this meeting that Francis didn't know about with who? Kim Davis. Beautiful. I mean, you got to love Vigano, folks. He was wrong about Trump and all that, but, you know, saying he would definitely win in, in 2020. But but I, I love Vigano. He's, he's, he's so based on so many issues. So he sets up this meeting with Kim Davis, and Francis doesn't know what the hell's going on because his handlers haven't been prepped. Vigano just did this with his tongue in his cheek. God bless him. And 
Then the Vatican is embarrassed that that Vigano conned them into endorsing a very anti-LGBT person like Kim Davis, who refused to sign those marriage warrants in her conservative state. And she was jailed for it because she was a government worker. And she's like, I'm not going to do this. She was separated from her four children, I believe. And Vigano sets up a meeting with her that looks like support. So he conned the con man. France is always like, well, a meeting with uh, Father James Martin doesn't mean official endorsement. Why? Why are you embarrassed you met with Kim Davis? You conned a con man, Vigano. The tip of the hat. But the Vatican was kind of lying about it at first. They said, no, the only official meeting we had was with Yayo Grassi, a uh, butt philosopher and lover. And this was the only meeting in America. <clears throat> They're liars. Nope, it came out later with pictures and everything that France, uh, I think I think it was pictures, came out documented later, let's say that. I think photo documented. That Francis did meet with Kim Davis and it's just because he's clueless. It's not because he really wanted to support anti-LGBTQ. Of course not. Of course not. Are you listening to all the other facts? He is global homo LGBTQ. But he got conned into it. He didn't want to be embarrassed by that. So that's like the first three years, four years of the pontificate. Then, then we come out, we come to the gay union issue, the civil union issue. Francis, I believe, as a Buenos Aires archbishop, had said that, look, we need to make, we need to globo homo, universalize gay civil unions, even though the CDF had taught this is wrong. This this is against doctrine. It, you're not allowed to just universalize gay civil unions and then say, "Well, we're not going to call them matrimony." That's not that's not the Catholic position. The position is, well, of course it's not matrimony. A man can't marry his armchair. He can't marry his cat. He can't marry some other sweaty dude. Sorry, sorry. If you're into weird stuff like that, you can't be Catholic. You can't get it done within Roman Catholicism. But also, the Catholic Church is against gay civil unions because that just encourages the sodomitic behavior, the, the worst sin a human being can do. But this came up again in 2020. I'm skipping from several years from 2015 to 2020. It came up again in 2020 because a film documentary claimed that Francis had said this in the Vatican. And he did. Uh, remember, the Pope's planners came out. They were lying that he didn't say this. He'd said it as Archbishop many years before. But he did say it. And they said, we didn't, you know, they took us out of context. No. Or, or the Pope's planners said they took our guy, our Pope, out of context. They were lying. Pope's planners lie, remember. They were saying this. And you know how I know? Because the Vatican, after the film came out with him saying the out-of-context remarks... Was, pra- was given an award in Vatican Gardens, the filmmaker, later. That was like in 2020. So get real, man. This is a worldwide agenda. And this October 3rd meeting of the four-year Synodality Synod, Liz Yor calls it the Synod on Homosexuality, this October is going to be the coming out. And remember all that art 
that we saw last October, about four months ago. Remember all the gay art? Trans art, women priests. He's going for broke, folks. Ten years, Benedict's dead, Pell's out of the way. He sees green light. He sees, you know, the, the, the home plate coach waving him in. He is going to catch up on all of the Gallen agenda items that he got behind on. And this is the big one. Uh, the best estimate, never refuted, is that 80, up to 80% of the bishops may be gay. Up to 80%, as uh, I'm quoting James Altman today. And they never refuted that estimation when it was published. 80%. Why do you think, what do you think this, this combination of viri probati that they're pushing for at the synodality synod, meaning priests can get married, plus gay marriage are, they want to be able to have coitus, or it's not coitus, they want to be able to have the worst act between two human beings possible with each other with the green light from the church as priests and bishops. That's what they're looking out for, their own loins. So, oh, and just last week, by the way, to show how complicit the Catholic Church is on the LGBTQ agenda, Michael Hitchborn at Lepanto, our good friend, reported the Northwest Evaluation Association um, has filtered through 1,900 Catholic schools, 84 dioceses, an estimated 400,000 Catholic students all of this LGBTQ agenda. Take your children out of Catholic schools. You're as big a dupe almost as those who have their kids in public schools. Homeschool them, folks. Oh, but both of us work. Well, your wife shouldn't be working anyway. Get your wife out of work. Get your family in order. The dad's got to be the patriarch. And get your pull your kids out of the, the Catholic schools. It's going to queer their minds. Just now, I'm seeing that um, from James Martin, um, there has been a correspondence he just released. He said, news in a new letter, Pope Francis. Clarified. That's what this is. That's okay, this so is. you read the three questions and his response to them? That was, oh, yeah, you, you want to re repeat them? That's, that's, that should be what the Pope's clarification is, is okay. Martin asked for. Yeah, this is a, the outreach. Um, this will be a recapitulation. Yeah, we, we read this, but go ahead. Go ahead in case there's anything I missed. Well, it looks like James Martin, um, the LGBTQ Catholic Outreach um, website, reached out to the Pope with three questions, and it was, One, Holy Father, thank you for your strong call to decriminalize homosexuality. Why did you decide to say this at this time, was the first question. Number two, there seems to have been some confusion about your comment, quote, being gay is a sin, end quote, yeah. which, of course, is not part of church teaching. My feeling is that you were simply repeating what others might say, hypothetically. So do you think that simply being gay is a sin? And number three, what would you say to Catholic bishops who still support the criminalization of homosexuality? The Pope responded to him, um, and I'll read this, um, this letter in full, so just give me a minute here. He says, Dear Brother, thank you for your letter. It is not the first time that I speak of homosexuality and of homosexual persons. And I wanted to clarify that it is not a crime in order to stress that criminalization is neither good nor just. When I said it is a sin, 
I was simply referring to Catholic moral teaching, which says that every sexual act outside marriage is a sin. Of course, one must also consider the circumstances which may decrease or eliminate fault. As you can see, I was repeating something in general. I should have said, it is a sin, as is any sexual act outside of marriage. This is to speak of the matter of sin. But we know well that Catholic morality not only takes into consideration the matter, but also evaluates freedom and intention for this, for every kind of sin. And, and I would tell whoever wants to criminalize homosexuality that they are wrong. In a televised interview where we spoke with natural and conversational language, it is understandable that there would, be, there would not be such precise definitions. I pray for you in your work. Please do the same for me. May Jesus bless you and may the Holy Virgin protect you. Fraternally, Francisco. Okay, so that's the actual letter between Francis and James Martin that the article that we claimed was breaking four hours ago uh, recapitulated, quoted in most of those places. You heard most of those quotes because I just read you the article about that letter. I, I think it's better to have answered the three dubium by James Martin in my math. That's one day or less of turnaround time, less than 24 hours of turnaround time. Maybe it's 48 hours that it took James Martin to get answers. And they were all green light answers. Go for it. Go for it, homos. There you go. That's what he's saying. He's, they're all three answers of leniency. The Pope Splinters don't know what to do with this guy. He is going to devastate. You are going to get caught with your pants down, Pope Splinters, later this year. Because he is coming out in favor of all this stuff. He's coming out in favor of it. He already has. He already has. What the hell are you... What is the deal with some of these Catholics? I don't get it. But the point is... I mean, he already has. But he's going to codify it as close to codify it as is humanly possible um so yeah he gave three answers and we just they, we read an article that summarizes them but think about think about um how long cardinal burke and cardinal Branmuller, two of the four dubia cardinals the only two who survive have waited for a response. I'm counting, we're going on seven years to their their dubia about Amoris Laetitia. They're still waiting. And two of the dubia cardinals, uh, Cardinal Meissner and Cardinal Kafara, died waiting. Hopefully they didn't die holding their breath because you know Francis, he's got an agenda. It's very clear. It's to, to destroy everything and to make gay okay. And if you ask him a question and you're a gay, uh, a gay affirming type, then you're likely to get a good response. If you, like a, uh, if you ask him a question and you're a gay repudiating kind of questioner, interrogator, you're likely to get no response at all. That's the deal. Okay, but... Check this recent timeline. We went through the more ancient timeline from, you know, first five years of Francis' pontificate, first four years. 
here's how it starts out. So Benedict the Sixteenth and Cardinal Pell. So let's say Cardinal Ratzinger and Pell each die and each can condemn in posthumously released documents, articles, or books. They each condemn Francis's and the Synod's stance on LGBTQ. Benedict says that um, the seminaries, particularly American seminaries, if you don't know this, then check your gaydar, are like big gay clubs, you know, and, and Benedict's books were, are not allowed to be read. The Pope's books are not allowed to be read. You'll be dismissed from the seminary, more or less, if they catch you reading one of his books. He's not some arch-conservative, Benedict, either. So people sound like dupes if they talk about Benedict like he's some arch-conservative. He is not. He's just not a heretic. Uh, he's, I mean, he might be the least materially heretical of all the post-conciliar popes, maybe. And that will get you kicked out of the seminary. Francis, well, we already know the deal. But he also said that American seminaries in particular like big gay clubs. And he says also that the German bishops released a murderous clamor from their throats anytime Benedict's name came up. I don't, we're kind of thinking that, we're all suspecting without knowing fully that they were threatening to murder you if you stayed in the chair of Peter. So why would you say murderous clamor? I just find the Benedict writings annoying at this point. Just, you're not going to help us. You're a dad, Papa. You left us to this abusive stepdad. Yeah, I mean, like, you're like, just, I'm getting the, the hell kicked out of me every Friday night when my abusive stepdad uh, takes to the proverbial Jim Beam bottle. And yet I get, Twice a year, over the last 10 years, I get some flowery prose written letter waxing on in either sonnet or philosophical treatise form, the beauties of fatherhood from my father who just abandoned me. Enough. I don't need it, bro. I'll do it on my own. Sorry, Benedict. I, I'm, I'm so over Benedict, people. I am. I'm very sorry. I know a lot of you are fans, but this is beyond annoying but it, has, it does have many, in the extreme form, the properties of extreme irritation to me. A, a guy who just doesn't get it. I don't, yes, I went through and I translated that book, the What Christianity Is book. I, I did partial translation of it. Then I read the, the, some of the other parts in an English translation that someone sent to me. And pretty much the news reports had found all the juiciest stuff and there's nothing there. He still denies that he was forced out. I still don't know whether I believe him or not. I'm not sure, but it's fishy. But then he, he insinuates it more by saying murderous clamor from their voices, whatever that means. And yet he's trying to talk about theology. If you wanted to teach us about theology, do so as the Holy Father. Be like, hey, I'm going to be a theologian, Holy Father. We've had some of those. He was one of them. But that's not what he did. And so he keeps writing us these letters while we're getting the shit kicked out of us by this abusive stepfather. He writes us twice a year. I find it incredibly dense. It's the most obtuse thing you can do. It's bizarre. And it, I find it bizarre that more faithful Catholics aren't irritated, at least irked, by it. 
So he he releases this book, Benedict, where he at least makes fun of the the globo homo. He at least makes fun of the, you know, the the queens. There's something. That's something Benedict did that he he never faltered on. He made fun of the queens. Okay, and that is a condemnation of the synod on synodality and Francis himself. And Francis does not like being poked in the eye. He likes to be the one poking you in the eye. Pell was more specific. Pell did not think he was releasing a posthumous article. He wrote an article, and it was due to come out the day after the day he ended up dying. He thought he was going to be alive. That was a sudden strange thing, wasn't it, with Pell? Hmm. I don't know. But Pell called the Synodality Synod a toxic nightmare. He emphasized the fact that synodality is not a real word, which is stupid. Liberals make up these words that aren't real words. No one knows what it means, and they never even substituted their own made-up definition for it. It's a word without equity, a signifier without a signification. So he says, he's basically insinuating what Liz Yor made real explicit in that LifeSite podcast. It's a synod on homosexuality. And it's a toxic nightmare. And he says, take it from an ex-Anglican. You've got an ex-Anglican among you. We know better about how these strikes on chastity work within the clergy. And so both Pell and Benedict XVI have posthumous writings coming out, which are mocking Francis's globo homo. And... Francis has to strike back, so he does this interview. Who does he do it with? AP. Liz Yor and Father Altman called this AP. Going to AP? This is not like what he did 10 different times in his pontificate where he went to Eugenio Scalfari to publish in La Repubblica, which will only be read in Italy, you know, a claim that Jesus wasn't God while he was uh, incarnated, which is one of the many uh, blasphemies and heresies, he spoke against Jesus to Eugenio Scalfari. No, he wanted to give a middle finger back to both of these dead men. That's how petty Francis is, Pell and Benedict. He didn't like them jamming their thumbs in his eyes. He likes to do that. He seems to be the world's most enthusiastic troll. So in the interview, he's like, we must do this, we must do this, we must do the decriminalization. And he's poking his thumb in the eye of the African bishops, who he said need conversion. Then, S.J. James Martin starts tweeting. He he gets his thumbs out and starts tweeting, right, on his phone. And the tweets are obnoxious, and he's defending uh, Pete Butt, Pete Buttigieg. And he says that he's really married according to his church. Now, his church, Pete Buttigieg, another way this is a little double entendre, is because he was baptized a Catholic, but he's now he now attends some pro-LGBTQ uh, Protestant denomination. So I think he's having a little fun with the double meaning of Pete Butt is married according to the Constitution, the you know his city, state, and his and his own church or whatever he said. See the vagary there that he's playing with. His church technically he was baptized Catholic. See what he's doing? Then you get Cardinal McElroy in America Magazine uh, a day after that. This is all the last week. 
And he says, we have to push this agenda out to the whole world. We have to push this agenda out to the whole world. Um, the synodal... <laughs> The butt, the butt philosopher. Yeah, you see Principal Skinner there? Tying his shoe? That's the agenda they want to push out there. And he says, we, we Catholics can't be guilty of tribalism. We have to be friendly to the, the butt philosophers. The, the philosophers of the church who say, maybe sodomy is technically a sin. Fine, they say. Francis, Francis is a butt philosopher in at least this way. Fine, but... Dot, dot, dot. But, you know, pastorally, we can't condemn it. There are all these subjective epistemological factors which might lessen it, mitigate it, even destroy culpability altogether. That's a butt philosopher. <laughs> and McElroy says the words dialogue like 50,000 times. He says exclusivity like 70,000 times. Uh, it's an America Magazine article. It's a, it's a, it's a pagazine article. Well, we should name this term after Paglia, right? This guy's a pag. So these guys are all, Paglia is like a, an archetype within the church, a higher cleric. We're going to call them pags and they like the butt philosophy. McElroy is one of them. Okay. They're pro butt philosophy. He's with pag. Then you get, this is just a day and a half ago. The former, uh, uh, not relator general, uh, general secretary of the Dominicans, Timothy Radcliffe, who is majorly uh, a pro-LGBTQ prelate, and Francis chooses him to preach the retreat in October, in 10 months, at the Synodal Gathering. Synod on Synodality 23. He's a major dissenter on LGBTQ. He helped the, I think it was the Anglicans, fact check me, one of the, one of the major mainline Protestant, pro, totally pro-LGBTQ, to make gay okay. And, and he was like, even my church doesn't do this, but I want to help you guys make gay okay. Um, oh, Bishop Hollerick, the Relator General of the uh, Synod, announces very proudly, loud and proud, that Timothy Radcliffe has been chosen by Francis to preach at the retreat. And this is what's coming. What kind of retreat are they going to have? Maybe like that uh, quote-unquote retreat, Father James Altman joked, maybe like that retreat that they just had last week in uh, England at the Anglican Church. You know what I'm talking about. Wink, wink. I'm not going to wink because then you're going to think I'm a, I'm a pag too, a uh, paglia type. No, but you, you heard about that. Did you, can you get that story? Wasn't that a, it was like a gay orgy at an English, at, a, at an Anglican church? Oh, let me try to find that. Maybe that's the kind of retreat they're going to be having with old Timothy Radcliffe there in October. These guys are so tone deaf. Why not just get McCarrick in? Let's see what he has to say about all this stuff. Yeah. We, <laughs> we got, got Kevin Farrell, right? Who's his quote unquote roommate. Wink, wink. And then to crown it all, we have this hovering question of Heine, of Heine Wilmer. All these, 
all these butt terms for all these disgusting gentlemen. <laughs> then you have Heine Wilmer, who is put up now as the probable prefect for the CDF. Francis knows that if he's going to make Heiner Wilmer the CDF prefect, he has to wait for a day with other major news to do it. That's what these guys do, okay? He knows he can't just do it on a slow news day. He's going to sneak it in, but he has to wait for a slow news day. And Heiner Wilmer is, I was doing more research on him because I have all this time. I'm just waiting for him to become CDF prefect, the number two in the church, doctrinal chief, one of the leaders of the German Synodal Way. He is a piece of work. He's a blue flame special. He is so pro-LGBTQ. Think of Heine Wilmer as the most pro-LGBTQ Catholic churchman in the world. Think of him like that. There's no way to quantify that, but that's how you'll make sense of what's going on. This is the Synod on Homosexuality. And that, I mean, I can't report that as a story. As of December the 23rd, he was supposed to be elevated as CDF prefect, number two guy in the church. And then allegedly an unconfirmed report went around late Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, that a bunch of more conservative cardinals, I don't even know what that means anymore, blocked it. I don't know how you block a papal appointment. There's no line item veto. There's no veto override. It's just there's papal power. But it was bad timing, so he backed off for a couple weeks. A month later... It's being reported again. Heine is still tapped. <laughs> i got to be careful with my language here. Heine is still tapped to become the CDF prefect. You couldn't have been less careful throughout the entire time. <laughs> I, I always say that just to highlight what I'm saying. I'm trying not to be careful. That's what I like to do. Don't be careful. So Heine is tapped as CDF prefect. What do you always and, say? It's and Francis isn't going to back off this time, seat. I guess. What? <laughs> to quote you, you're as, a subtle, you're as subtle as a toilet seat. Subtle as a Heine and a toilet seat, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a disgusting situation. And again, this is what I do like about, um, you know, avoiding Babylon is I, I don't watch a ton of Catholic content, people. I'm going to be honest with you. I used to watch a lot more. It's so vile what's happened to our church that I people say to me, how do you avoid blackpilling? And I say, because Jesus is king, man. And because I never inclined toward papolatry, if I was a papolatrist, I guess I would have blackpilled a long time ago, like year one of the Francis Pontifica. But I, I never really bought that. There needs to be more gloss on the Vatican I version of things. You know, we need a Vatican three. I've said this for a long time. People are, it's starting to catch now. It's one plus two or three. Vatican one, Vatican two, both require some gloss. Neither of them have hard errors, but you just have to add a sentence on that, you know, Pastor Eternus, really strong sounding endorsements of like, Pope can do anything he wants. Clearly this ain't right. I'm not talking about disciplines. I'm not weighing in on the the, the disciplinary version of this debate because I think that's a lot sillier. But Pope can't do whatever he wants with doctrine. Um, I don't know how that'll work, though. 
But I, I don't black pill because one, I, I know what's going on. I get enough DMs, private texts to know from some of the good sources, some of the people in Rome, uh, when something's about to happen. I have friends, uh, most of my friends are in Catholic media at this point, at least in an informal way. And, um, you know, I just don't need to live and breathe this stuff. Most of my YouTube channels are what's, you know, what's going on in the NBA before the trade deadline and things like that. Trying to figure out... uh, what that guy dressed up like Damar Hamlin really weigh? He weighs like half as much as Damar Hamlin. Stuff like that. I I take it with a grain of salt because I know this Francis pontificate has been a train wreck. And I'm like, look, buckle up, pray, fast, go to church. Make sure you go to church if you can, even if you can't receive the Eucharist, because they're gonna allegedly in April they're gonna not only take away the TLM forever. But they're also going to try to take away some, have suggested, ad orientum forever. So then unless it's a private mass, I'm just not going to be receiving it. I mean, I already don't receive if I wind up in a Novus Ordo. But I'm just kind of like ready. Like this is some sort of great apostasy. And if you don't see it by now, like most of you guys, parish orphans, retrogrades, you probably do. But if you don't see it by now, you're not going to. If you have to ask, you'll never know. Ten years of this shit, uh, just uh, unfathomably bad Pope. Unfathomably bad. It's hard to believe he's Pope, and sometimes I mean that more literally than others. Some days I'm like, seriously? We're really asked to believe this? Other days I'm like, okay, I'm getting back to my normalcy bias. I'm trying to just coexist with my normalcy bias. That Fran- It's definitely the case that Francis could be Pope. It's definitely the case. It would not be shocking if he turned out to be retroactively uh, declared an anti-Pope. I, just, just try to coexist with your normalcy bias because it's less culpable. So just, if you're asking me your advice, and a lot of people do by private email, what do we do? What do we think in our epistemic private thought space? During, you know, as we're going to sleep and I just say your prayers. I mean, you don't really depend on your Pope even as much as you do your boss at work. Certainly not as much as your spouse or your, your friends or your trusted loved ones. I mean, it's just, right. Just, just treat it like, look, we have the worst Pope of all time. And, you know, pretty much ignore whatever you can that he says. And you'll be happier now. The synod on synodality might force the issue where you just can't, if they, they're going to try to make some doctrinal changes, not just disciplinary changes. I know I know. if you go to the TLM, like a good Catholic, then they're, 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 you're not going to be able to ignore it. He's taken away all the diocesan TLMs allegedly in April or May because the first pass at it didn't work two summers ago. I get it. You can't just ignore that, but you, I mean, you can still go to Mass. It's annoying. It feels wrong to wind up at a Novus Ordo, but it's not. But you're not going to be able to ignore it if he does something to doctrine, like says two and two is five. And that's what I'm expecting in October. And so everyone, all the betters out there, that's all of us, your parajorvans, your retrogrades, your betters being put to your money, might have to, if he says two and two is five with doctrine, then 
that's going to change stuff. And I, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe it won't happen. I, I, I think it will. I'm, I'm, the smart money's on it will. And at that point, reconfigure, form a new plan. I, I don't know what that means. I sincerely don't know what that means because I don't know. I know it's going to be bad in October. And then they pushed it back another year because they're trying to do such extreme stuff that they added, an, remember that? Just a couple months ago, they added an October 2024 Senate thing. They had to extend this out because they're going for broke. If your project is really ambitious, you're like, we need another year. That's how any project is. If it's a science fair project and you have a really good science fair project, you're doing a really detailed volcano that explodes and the lava is really cool and realistic in sixth grade. You know, like, can I have a little, can I have a time extent? Can I have an extra week? Well, Pope Francis got an extra year for the synod on synodality. And so October of this year is going to be really bad. It, the, the culminating stuff might be October of 2024, but it's going to be unfathomably bad in, in the way that you could only say that if you've lived through the Francis pontificate for 10 years, as we have now, almost, just under 10 years. It's unfathomably bad. He's the worst man on earth. He's the worst leader for any kind of organization imaginable, but he is the most antichristic pope, bishop of Rome, vicar of Christ that you could think of. It's just worst case scenario. If if you told me 15 years ago, do a little character sketch for who the platonic form of the worst, most antichristic pope imaginable would be, I'd have sketched you up, Francis. And that's why he was so easy to spot, even in the first, second month of his pontificate. I just... I've never trusted him for a moment. And it's weird to be vindicated because I spoke so openly and so loudly, even before I had a mic in front of me in the early days of the Francis pontificate, right when I went back to teaching at Catholic school. And it got me in trouble a couple of times because he was so clearly bad so early on. And now people don't know what to think. But all these PAG types, Paglias, running around, pushing the butt philosophy really hard. It's going to make it impossible. I'm really curious what the Pope's planners will say. Now, I haven't heard a lot of them talk about this AP interview. Have you, Steph? None of them. Yeah. There, some, 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 some outfits just didn't cover the Jan 24th interview where he said, we must decriminalize... Uh, this kind of sexuality globally, which is just the definition of globo homo. We want homo to go globo. From what I can see, it's just a one size fits all um, answer the Pope's planners have, where it's just like, well, that's not what he meant. And what's really yeah. interesting about that is that the Pope will come out and say, that's what I meant. And, and, and directly say, this is what I meant. And then they're just completely silent, then which, quiet. Yeah. which is really interesting too. I'm, I'm sure you covered this, but it's so strange. Like th th this story, this this decriminalization story, just just broke, and uh, uh, James Martin was able to get in touch with and receive a response from the Pope in a matter of days. And yet, the, we're still waiting for the dubia. Yeah, seven years later or whatever. That's just... yeah. I, I mean, look, I I don't I don't tell. I, we give you guys like we're actually writing this marriage workbook because people ask us so many of these questions 
that are very practical. How do we get through fights? How do you guys get through fights? What do you do? Like, what does that look like? What are the tools? Because we're all parish orphans and retrogrades, right? So, I mean, you ask your bishop. He's like, I don't know, dude. Like, I'm, I mean, the odds are your bishop's might be a butt philosopher, you know? He's like, married to a woman? I never even discerned that, you know? It was whatever. Go to the seminary or go to the discotheque, right? You kind of have the same lifestyle either way is what it is for a lot of the bishops. But what, you going to go ask some guy, you know, without a zipper on the front of his pants? These guys need a zipper on the back of their cassocks. But you're going to go ask him marital advice? What's it like? Look, I love this great virtuous woman, but she's driving me crazy. Or a, a woman, hey, I love this. I'm, I'm My leader is this great virtuous man, my husband, but he's driving me crazy. What do I do? You're going to go ask your bishop who likes PAG? You know? No. that's So you, you need something, and we get it. And we're, you know, we're not super old. We're not super young either. But we get questions from people a lot of times that are older than we are by e email. And I it gets crazy to have to respond to so many emails. Steph's book, Ask Your Husband, just such an amazing book, by the way. If I don't talk about it that often, it's just, it's because it's, I treat it like one of my books, even though it's my wife's book. Case for Patriarchy, Ask Your Husband, read these books together. Um. We're but, not old and we're not young. I think what you referred to me the other day as a fall chicken. Is that a spring yeah, that chicken? Spring chicken. No, a late, late summer. We're late summer chickens. Late summer chickens. It's funnier to say about your wife though. But no, I mean, so like, how do we get through fights? Well, okay. The, you know, the, the Archbishop Paglia type that, that might be running your chancery is not going to give you much help here. Um, same thing with a lot of your pastors, right? Like, and the church isn't forming us. So, like, we literally sat down. And we don't fight very often. One of our last fights, we're like, let's just make this like a formula. These are the questions how you can solve any fight, even big ones, between two loving spouses. As long as you love each other and you're both committed to the Catholic vision of marriage, these are the questions. You begin them, and literally, you can start being productive. We fight very rarely, but we're we're in a um, few times a year, and we're like, let's just. It kind of got us over our, our last argument, right? It was like, let's like write this down because we were, we were really effective this time. This is a good algorithm, and then we're like, holy cow, we're really on to something. This can solve any fight if you follow this algorithm of questions. So we have a workbook on fights. We have a workbook on checking back in. One day, three days, five days, seven days after the fight where you, you kind of quickly, five to 10 minutes, you go over some of the questions you went through. And that tends to enhance the staying power of the intimacy that you have after a fight, you know? Because what ha tends to happen in marriage is little impasses grow. You have paradigmatic impasses. The wife wants X, the husband wants X prime. You know, if you're in a, healthy marriage well the husband guides the way it tends to cause some resentment and then eventually it, what usually happens is then the wife will kind of kind of lash out maybe something fair maybe the husband glossed over what she wanted too much because he's in charge and so there's kind of resentment that grew from a lack of communication and then when you get to the real issue and it's not 
you know, it's not that he used a, a sponge instead of a washcloth, you know, on whatever. Or she used a sponge instead of a washcloth as she cleaned the kitchen and that, that exploded into something. It's something more. So once you are asking the right questions, um, you get really close after a fight again, you know, because the distance between you that have been growing for two weeks or three weeks or whatever it was, and you didn't even know it, that's gone. You're right next to each other again. And you're like, this is great. And then you're really close. And then three days, five days, seven days, nine days, you know, life happens. And the distance, if you're close, it's not rapidly growing distance, but a slight distance. So what we do is we have you check back in with certain very, very surgically targeted questions that had to do with the resolution of your problem. Screw, um, compunction is the doctrine where you meditate on your own greatest few sins. I'm probably doing my own greatest sins and I'm also blind, says compunction. I'm also blind to my sins and I'm super uh, observant of everybody else's sins, including my spouse's. So it's really compunction that makes the whole process go and you check back in every other day for the next week and it really works has staying power. We don't fight very much anyway, but it should double the time between fights. If you normally go a month, it'll make you go two months. If you just take five minutes every other day and kind of go over the predicate compunctionary weaknesses that tend to lead to your fights. It won't be this fight specific. Couples tend to fight over compunctionary weaknesses that keep reasserting themselves so and insecurities too and i think that's one of the good things with the workbook that work we're, we're working on is that it's getting couples to just admit to their weaknesses and their faults and to comfort and talk about those with one another because that's what really a lot of these fights are somebody does something that annoys you or like that hits on a nerve or a weakness or an insecurity of yours and then that's it kind of goes downhill from there yeah so, I mean, we're, we're, look, we're doing our part. We're going to release that workbook for what? As some PDF? Well, what are we going to do? We're going to print it. We'll, we'll, we'll do a show on it soon, but we've been working on that. That just came up suddenly. And there's other some other actual dialogue. It's like, ask this question, wait for an answer. Then reverse it. You ask this question, you wait for an answer. We're just walking through what a good therapist would do because none of us were raised by priests saying this is the voca- this is the way to do your vocation day in day out. Um it's incredibly useful. So we do that on uh, like five different issues, but fights are the big one. That's why we started it. And it's really cool. I forget why I'm talking about it. But we're going to do a show on it when we release the book. It'll be self self-published and it'll be a really small workbook that will be incredibly valuable to you. Like I say, the rules for retrogrades we're trying to add positive content but a third of the shows end up being just on Pope Francis because he's such a wicked prelate. He's such a wicked dude. How do you how do you not cover that he's speaking with a megaphone to the whole world's press saying global homo? What's funny about you, Tim, and I don't think most people know this, is that when there is breaking news on Pope Francis, I think some of the detractors of your channel presume that you're like, you're like, oh, yeah, here we go. This is going to be great. I get to talk about Pope Francis being horrible. But it's really a bummer. And most times I'm sitting in the room with Tim when these 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 news items break. And it's just like, oh, like, like I would be rather I would rather talk about anything else. It becomes tiresome and just depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Just, 
it's never boring in the sense that he's always saying something new bad, but it's boring and just like, oh, another Francis show. But you can't not. You can't be doing commentary on Catholic news and ignore what he's saying because it's always so awful and poisonous and destructive. And you have to tell people, here's how not to get blackpilled, which is ultimately what we're doing, you know? The way not to get blackpilled as a kind of closing thought on the sodomy stuff is, well, they can't make you be a sodomite. Now, it's really scary ecclesiologically, magisterially, what does it mean if they're actually trying to formalize some of the teachings which would overturn Jesus and Moses, which they are. That's why we end up talking ecclesiology and magisterium so much. But it doesn't really affect your life if a bunch of queens and queen enablers are trying to make two and two equal to five. Like, you know when they said sod is like the worst sin in the world? Well, maybe they meant you can do it, especially if you're a bishop. You can do it to some other dude. You know, it's just, it's like watching really dumb, sinful people wishful think. And that's, that's, I guess, what it is. But it doesn't affect your life that much, aside from the magisterial implications. So that's that. That's Francis, quote-unquote, clarifying homosexuality and sin comments in, an, in a note to Father James Martin S.J. Stay tuned, people. Keep the faith. Don't leave the one true church. I, it's not a cope. We'll survive Francis, whether he's called Pope Francis or retroactively, retrospectively, not Pope Francis. Whether he's called, uh, you know, an anti-pope later. You never know that a given pope in real time is not going to turn out to be an anti-pope. So don't freak out. The, if The more and more the mask comes off, if it does come off so much, and the more doctrinal and clear and categorical the statements are, the more likely the anti-pope thing becomes. And and we're, we're right at that inflection point where because Benedict and Pell and some of the other heroes, low-key heroes, have died, there seems to be an inflectionary point where for 10 years, Francis has flirted with the homosexuality issue and, and some of the other big moral theology issues of the groin. And, but he's done so in a way where the doctrine is all but changed. And I think the Synod on Homosexuality, as Liz Yor calls it, is just going to, okay, we, got, okay, we actually have to write it now. Gay is okay. Jesus was wrong. Moses was wrong. And I think that that's what I'm expecting. And at that point, we just have to wait for him to write it, and then everyone's going to know. And I think this is why he bought himself an extra year. If he does this, it'll be like, okay, now it, you're just an idiot if you're not talking in terms of the strong possibility of anti-pope. There might be some other way you flush the toilet and all of this human excrement goes down. But that's a lot of excrement. It doesn't go down the toilet, you know, when it's this much. So the only way we could get past that, that I can see now, if he says, let's just, let's just, let's be really uh, boundary condition hypothetical. If he said there are four persons in the Trinity, you're like, okay, that's really bad, but I'm not that freaked out. That just means so-and-so is an anti-pope, right? If Francis says gay is actually okay, 
kind of the same thing. It's pretty, pretty damn close. And he's, he's getting closer to that line, and it's clear to anyone that understands the way language works, particularly in the day of social media, how signposting works. That's where he's been trying to go. That's where he's been trying to go since 2019 in the Amazon Synod, but he keeps getting held up. Co- and then there's all these other darkling midnightly projects he's got going on, like COVID, big hand in that. The Vax, he had a big hand in that. So it's clear where he wants to go. Let's see how explicit he gets. If he stays here, then my money would be on you know more than 50% chance, even if he's just strongly insinuating gay and adultery and all these sexual sins are okay. And I'm like, well, he stayed insinuating it. Probably just the worst pope of all time. And maybe the end of the world's coming soon. But if he actually crosses the Rubicon, remember what crossing the Rubicon did when Caesar crossed the Rubicon? What did it do? It ended the old order. It ended the Republic. If he crosses the Rubicon and codifies any of this, then it's like, okay, this is now we're in anti-Pope territory. It's right, he's dipping his toe right now, old Caesar. That's what we should call Francis, is Julius Caesar. He's dipping his toe in the Rubicon. He's about to cross it, I think. Heine Wilmer would almost be tantamount to crossing it. So I'm just trying to give you guys like, my approach to this, and all I can do is one thing. Everyone else out there rushed in to say they knew Francis is an anti-pope. I'm like, ah, uh, epistemic humility. Or people on the other side were yelling at those people who rushed into it. And I'm like, to you guys too, epistemic humility. These people aren't saying it for no reason. It looks very possible. I don't know if it's 50, you know, 49% or 51% probable at this point. But the, the question is, you err on the side of caution. And you also aren't going to have to wait beyond 2023. Also, the longer Francis lives, we're getting closer to 2030, Agenda 2030. Remember, they're basically trying to end the old order of the world by 2027 anyway. That's what Agenda 2030 is. So all this stuff is quickening, as Malachi Martin told, called it, so you don't have to commit yourself to silly positions or risky positions spiritually. It's just, no one else out there is telling you this. Like, well, yes, if, if Pope X says there are four persons in the Trinity, you can take it to the bank. They're not actually Pope. That's not out there at all. I've just, without really insulating myself, because I say, I say things that means something. I don't just say he's definitely Pope. Well, it's saying anything that's overly committal either. I'm just saying the obvious. Categorical bright spots. If a pontiff says there are four persons in the Trinity, he's not pontiff. If a pontiff moves to teach that sodomy is okay, I don't think he's pontiff. And, and Francis seems to be going there, but let's wait and see. Maybe he won't go there. Yeah, right. We'll see. But err on the side of caution for now. This 10 years of erring on the side of caution vis-a-vis Francis is about to be up, is my strong inclination, strong intuition. I've been right on these things before. We'll see. Just hold on a little longer. We'll be able to have brighter categorical propositions.
probably on the south side of 2023 by summer, fall. God bless you all. Deus Volt. Enjoy your weekend. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit.